drive, gets inside, leans in, knocked away, it's stolen by Holiday. Now up for the layup, oh, blocked by James. To Curry, way down top, bang, bang. This the This time I'm sick. Zion's gonna want out soon. You I don't think the front office of that organization, of that New Orleans organization, knows what the heck they're doing. What can I say? Mamba out. Hey guys, welcome back. This is CourtsAheat, CourtsAheat.com, and we are back with another podcast episode. And man, oh man, are we taking down the days. September 27th. We're only two weeks away of that from the preseason. Let me actually check real quick because the preseason's coming up on us fast. I'm part of my, my correction. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Eight days. So a week and one day. So eight days from the first game of the preseason. From the first week. I don't know about you guys, but I'm excited for the preseason. And you guys can say, well, it's just the preseason. But that, to me, means so much because that means we get to have basketball back. And three months or however long or how many months it was just seems like too long for me. I'm excited for basketball. We've been counting down the days. We've been waiting I have been waiting for the Phoenix Suns, the Milwaukee Bucks, the Lakers, the Nets, the every team in the National Basketball Association. This is truly incredible for having it all come back. It just because from a fan perspective, from a basketball perspective, this is just going to be a really fun time. And things are going to be starting to pick back up come October 20th. When the first few games or when the first week of basketball is starting, when the regular season's tipping off tomorrow for like the Phoenix Suns and Tuesday, and then Wednesday for like the uh Wizards and whatnot, begins up their training camp. So training camp's gonna be going on this week, but then that's gonna be heading into the preseason, and then we got sixteen days of the NBA preseason to watch watch and go through then of course we got the regular season so without further ado let's jump into this podcast episode by starting off with social media our day and age has been rapidly growing our internet presence how much we use the internet how much we use every single website whether that's for school work entertainment or just uh, having those lazy Sundays, right? But the one thing that's grown popular from 2006 and beyond, when uh, Twitter, YouTube, all these different places were growing up, was social media. It's always been social media. Social media is now what teenagers of today are consumed by, connect with their friends on chat talk whatever that's their new way of interacting right online it's where you're able to post able to keep your status up when you're going to different venues and events right that instagram snapchat tiktok facebook twitter they have all grown from 
expressing your views on political issues, on entertainment, from interesting topics of any kind, sports. So social media has been one of the biggest things that you can connect on ever. And I've said this on this podcast before, not regularly, but I have brought up this point before. And I believe this is a very valid and real point that's backed up by statistics. So with all that being said, courts say he has taken advantage of that. And by far our biggest market, our biggest social media account would be Instagram. And you can find us at Instagram.com slash courtside heat NBA. Again, that is courtside heat NBA for Instagram.com. For Twitter.com, that would be courtside heat. Facebook.com would be Facebook.com slash courtside heat. And then we have Tumblr. Tumblr is Tumblr.com slash courtside heat. And then uh I got Instagram, Tumblr, Twitter. Oh, there's a fourth one. Instagram, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. I'm going to keep it. Uh, oh, and Tumblr. Nope. Okay, we're good there. So we have so many more uh, social media accounts I cannot keep track of. If I tried to, I see my brain would just explode after a while or just lose all those brain cells, right? Best for able to find us. Those are the main social media accounts. And of course, stating the obvious for the first 10 seconds of this podcast, minus the intro, uh, the way we got into this podcast was saying that we're back with Courts Heat, but also CourtsHeat.com. We're coming out with more content. We're getting right on the social media. And you're able to find us at CourtsHeat.com or when we're posting on there, CourtsHeat.medium.com. But for all the information, continue to go to courtsideheat.com, save it, and just, yeah, use it because there's so much that's coming out. We're always updating on the bottom of our page, whether on your mobile or desktop, our podcast section, and you're actually able to click on there and listen to our uh, most recent podcast episode. And on this Brian Nolan Monday morning, when it's set to come out at 8 a.m., You'll be able to listen to it on the website or, and we got some announcements on the podcasting side, and I'm just going to jump into it now. We have, you have, we have all these different ways of you listening to it on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, um, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible, Spotify, and our most recent when it gets published, TuneIn. And you may have heard of TuneIn before, you may have not, but TuneIn is this great place. It has paid services and free services for podcasting and whatnot. And you can listen on the paid service about the NFL, NHL, all those different things, Fox, CNN, MSNBC, um, all those different uh, news networks, then we got the weather network, like, got all of those, if you're a fan of Joe Rogan, you go listen to his podcast, you can listen to The Daily Show, The Daily Wire, you can listen to legit anything, it's just all right there, and it's pretty cool, and also, if it actually works, we've been taking it around with it, but for Alexa, your smart device that's from Amazon, the reason why we're getting TuneIn is we read if you get registered for TuneIn and they approve of your podcast to be hosted on there, or then you can by default say, uh, Alexa, listen to Courtside Heat. 
and now play the park play our podcast, which I thought was pretty cool because basically now you can listen to it on Alexa. We're still experimenting with that. And I don't know if I have to give it a command or something like that. Like you know, like those Alexa skills. My sister and I believe my mom and dad have Alexa. I do not, but mainly my sister, she likes all those Amazon stuff, like Amazon TV, the Amazon Bot, right, the Amazon Plug. Like, my sister has all of that. I got a Roku TV. I like that. I never got into the Amazon stuff, just because I'm like, oh, well, that's pretty cool that you can do all the commands, but what do I really need it for, like, my studio, for my bedroom, for whatever, right? So, currently, I really don't need that. But nor do I like want it because it's like, I because I always keep my lamp plugged in. I just gotta flip a switch. I like the idea. It's really fun to use, but it's also like, you know what? I think I'm good. Cause like I got like I don't like to say because I don't want to come off bad. Like I don't know, but I I don't I don't mind the Alexa stuff. But there's also a part of me like, eh. cause like I like technology. Don't get me wrong, but. For stuff like that, I may just get tired of it, minus the TV, of course. But then again, I'm not the biggest TV person unless there's a football game on because every Sunday, or at least yesterday and this past Sunday, um, my father and I were watching every single game that we get here in Arizona, which would have been free. We got the Cardinals game, we got the Buccaneers game, and we got the Sinai football game on NBC. But yeah, I don't know. I'm not the biggest Alexa user in the world. Um, I'm more of like a Roku guy, Apple kind of guy, right? But with that being said, I don't know how I got down the path. Tune in. So if we get on the tune in, and I'll make note of that on social media and whatnot. I'm going to promote it. But that radio station, I'm going to try to submit the contact we're in touch with them. They're going to review it. We're hopefully going to get published on there. If so, like I said, I'm going to put down social media. Boom, bang. And then I'm going to try with Alexa. And if it works, I will find that the coolest thing ever. Because I've never had a walked up to a smart speaker before. Say like the smart speaker's name. And give it the command of listening to my podcast. Or any podcast for that matter. I'm like... This is so epic. Like, I might be like a little kid in a candy store trying to get like a Snickers bar from the top shelf. That's how excited I would be. And speaking of being excited, I get to be back here in the studio. It's nice. It's nice. It's a nice feel. We've had a lot of breaks from from food poisoning, but on the positive side, going Florida for a week. So that was huge. But it's nice being back in the studio. It really is. Um, I got my sports memorabilia, I got everything, and without further ado, let's get into this podcast episode. What you guys came here to see, remember, follow us on social media or and or any po- other podcasting uh, services like iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, oh, pardon me, uh, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible, all those different ones, and so many more that we're trying to get on. It's legit crazy, like, where I'm trying to put this, everything, and I'm like, how am I supposed to explain this to the people? Like, that's what's going for in my mind. Like, how am I supposed to explain it to my audience? How many podcasting sites I have? It'll probably show up if you just search either my name 
or my company's name, uh, Court, uh, Courts of Hate's name, right? It would have to be, because, like, right now, I am just, like, losing my mind over this. I'm like, okay, I've just added four more podcast services. Am I missing anything? And I probably am missing things, but, again, I got off topic, but that's where it'd be at. And let's just jump in right to the breaking news, and that is that. Starting things off with, so we've been talking much about COVID, the vaccine, and whether you watch news or whatnot, they're pretty repet- uh, repetitive with that stuff. They're pretty like heavy on that fear, on that concern, on the science right of COVID, the vaccines, whatnot. So whether it's being forced down your throat or you're willing willingly to listen, uh, listen to that, either way, it's a... Um, like, majority of our breaking news is going to be talking about COVID vaccine. So, until we get to uh, Ben Simmons and whatnot, that's what we're going to be listening to. Just a full disclaimer. It's not too bad. Trust me, I'm not going to be screaming from the television, screaming on set right now. I'm not going to do that. I'm actually going to have a control manner, right? Because how many people do you listen to? I talk about the same things, but really don't have any bullet points. What they're actually saying, they're just... Screaming emotions, right? But, but, yeah. So, the first of it is that Devin Booker is set to miss the starting training camp. I believe it's going to be set on Tuesday. It's your Monday or Tuesday. It's one of those two days. And it's due to the health and safety protocols. All we know is that he's out for the start of training camp. We do not know if he got in contact with somebody who had COVID or if he has COVID himself. All we know is that due to health and safety protocols, and until he's cleared from there, he will not be able to participate. Again, I don't say it's like the, it's huge news, but when I first read the headline, I'm like, oh no, is he injured? Is he going to be out for a extended period of time? But then for just to be on the training camp side, I'm actually okay with that. I'm actually okay with that. And... And I'm saying from the perspective of it stinks that he's in the protocols, but at least this is happening in training camp and not in the regular season where he needs like quarantine for a week. This is on the road. No, this is in Phoenix, Arizona. It's contained. He's still in his hometown. He's still in his home state. We're fine. And yeah, but it got me. It got me worried. That statement right there got me worried. Like, oh, he's gonna be out. I'm like, no, we no, no. Phoenix Suns can't have Devin Booker out, and I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, oh my, is this gonna be like a few month process? Is this really how this is gonna work? Like before, I knew it was like for training camp and health safety protocols. I thought we were gonna deal with some severe, mild, or easy cases of injuries. But good news is, it's just health and safety protocols for training camp. So he's gonna be out. Sorry, uh, excuse me. Starting training camp. Moving on to the next thing. We found another person within that 10%. And in that 10% of non-vaccinators. And those non-vaccinations, right? Of those... Because remember when the rule came... Or not rule. But when the decision came out that... 
uh, the NBA Player Association was not going to allow vaccines to be mandated over NBA players. And we already knew Andrew Wiggins filed for was a religious exemption. He got denied, so he has choices he got to make due to local decisions and state decisions on the COVID-19 um, vaccine and mandate, right? Same with Kyrie Irving from Brooklyn, New York, and just New York in general. But now we know another player who came out or got leaked. It's one to two, but now we know the third, uh, the third player to come out publicly that we know about the 10% that are not going to be getting the vaccine. And it's Jonathan Isaac of the Orlando Magic. And he said he's probably unvaccinated. Like, he's not afraid of what's happening. And here's what he said. And I quote, um, sorry, I quote, Isaac started studying black history and watching Trump. He learned about antibody resistance and came to distrust Dr. Anthony Fauci, end quote. So what happened was this, and this is my own um, interpretation. I'm not saying this is what happened exactly because I, I was not in part of his decision making, nor was I with anybody close enough to him personally or professionally. But here's how I'm viewing this. That he saw what Joe Biden did by President Joe Biden by mandating companies with over 100 workers for the vaccine, making them get mandatory vaccines, making sure everything's in check, right? And then you saw how uh, Dr. Anthony Fauci lied through emails. He was very flip-floppy on COVID and whatnot. He said, wear a mask, don't wear a mask, get vaccinated, like all these different things, right? And it came down to politics and pretty much for him, money and having, uh, um, I, I don't know what the right word would be, but probably have rule over people and what they can and cannot do. And we can take that down to simple freedom and freedoms and liberties that people have, but that's not a conversation on this podcast I want to dive into, but um, it's a important conversation to have with anyone, right? But the main overall topic of what we're talking about here is through Jonathan Isaac, and he said through Black History and Trump and Fauci. Those are the free things, the free key things. I can't talk about black history just from the perspective is that it, I don't know what he was reading. I don't know what he was learning and studying, right? I don't know if he came to his own conclusion like, you know what? If I'm going to have a dominant black voice, then I'm going to be um, controversial. Maybe controversial is not the right word, but going to be speaking a louder uh, define the masses, maybe. I don't know. I don't know what he was writing on Black History, so I'm not going to talk about that. I'm not going to touch that because I do not want to get the wrong interpretation of that kind of history or history in general, right? But what I will say is that former President Trump, Donald Trump, could he have been, con- was he convinced by someone or by his own research, by his own education on what Trump believes in the vaccine? about having it being optional, not required. Did he is he a secret Republican? Is he still a Democrat? 
And I'm just saying these what ifs because I don't know his political background. I don't know what he believes. I'm just going off of interpretation of what I just read to you guys for quote. So as I'm speaking this out, I'm also trying to think through, trying to have critical thinking on this. But I think there was multiple factors as was stated in the quote I read. So I think Isaac, Jonathan Isaac, who plays for the Orlando Magic, said, you know what? I read a blog in black history. I saw and heard what Trump has been doing and what Trump sees about the vaccine and COVID and how dishonest and how really bad uh, Dr. Fauci is uh, over COVID and mandatory vaccines, right? And booster shots, et cetera, et cetera. So I think he's forming his own opinions like, you know what? I don't care because it said that he's proudly unvaccinated. So he's like, you know what? You know what? Forget this. I can throw away the season. I'm I'm not going to bow down. I'm not going to feel pressured because I'm uncertainty. Uh, I'm uncertain about the vaccine. I know uh, my fellow teammates and respected uh, people within the organization has taken the vaccine by their own choice. Right? And he also said he learned about antibody resistance. So he must also mean, and it's for, again, through interpretation that He's all about immunity, about herd immunity, about the immunity being strong in any vaccine that people with the vaccine has gone COVID still, has been opened up, right? I don't know if opened up is the right um saying, right? But I'm just going to leave it at that. Or that people, even though they've taken the vaccine, has gone sick, there's still deaths happening, that you that you really should not blame on vaccinated people because there's also this logical thing is that why does everybody have to be vaccinated? Why does the vaccine have to be feared by the unvaccinated? Right? If the vaccine works, then aren't the vaccinated protected? Then it would just be the unvaccinated people dying. But it's not working that way, even if you're going for one shot, two shots, three shots, four shots, etc., etc. So I don't know. I'm just laying out these what-if questions, these critical questions, right? But I thought that was very interesting. This is the first player, Jonathan Isaac. I'm going to look up something real quick. I'm going to look up, but this is the first player to say have a bold stance on this. Because I did not know that he... I, I didn't know about this, but I also want to... Uh, but yeah... I'm also trying to look up some. Sorry if I keep going in and out. Yeah, Jonathan Isaac also during the NBA bubble. Uh, um, it he's under the Christian religion. That's why I saw it because I I remember one player during the NBA bubble, and I apologize for me just going blank on you guys, but I thought this was important to bring up. Jonathan Isaac was the guy that decided not to kneel for the for in the national anthem. And this was when the tragic events of George Floyd and all of those um, tragic events that were happening during the NBA bubble. There were riots, different things like that during last year's summer, during last year's NBA bubble. But he was the one that was not kneeling for the National Anthem. He was the only one that stood for the National Anthem. 
showing respect to the country, respect to the flag, decided not to kneel with his teammates or anyone on that court. He decided to be doing the exact opposite. So why was the reason for him standing during the anthem? He was citing his Christian faith. He and it it went something like this that he would not bow down to anything besides um God, besides Jesus, right? And that is that's huge because I also come from the Christian faith and to see that Jonathan Isaac, I just always thought he was a wonderful player. I saw this is gonna be a great player for Orlando. So when I saw it during the NBA bubble, that actually hit me because like He's making a bold stand, a bold stand in front of all uh, politicians, religious people, and different things like that. And we all know what it means to stand up for something, even if it means losing everything. And not to quote Nike, right? But I thought that was very interesting. I thought that was very cool, very respectable, even if you were not of the Christian faith. And you were, let's just say, Catholic, Mormonism, uh, Mormon, uh, Hindu, Buddhism, I uh, Buddhist. I, I don't know. I'm just bringing up different religions. But I thought that was cool because a man from my faith was also standing up for the national anthem on a national presence and citing God, citing the um the Christian faith. So I thought that was amazing. I wanted to bring that up because. Now, now I'm really bringing this together. Does that mean that maybe the Christian faith, what he believes in, is letting him not coming within the vaccine by not by letting? Oh, I'm sorry. Let me say about this more clear. By by understanding his faith and by saying, you know what. I'm not going to take the vaccine. I want freedom of choice. I don't want this to be mandatory. And if I got to sacrifice a few things on the court or anything like that, you know it's so be it for my choice. And, yeah, so maybe faith, religion has played a part into this. Maybe politics, maybe education, studying. But I just thought that was very cool. I knew Jonathan Isaac was a familiar name. I knew there was Orlando Magic that had a similar stance. But it seems like more and more as issues are arising on the NBA and the world as a whole, right? It seems like, and for Jonathan Isaac, there's different players taking a stance. And I believe if if there's a player that's taking a stance boldly and giving reason... And giving logical reason and not the reason of, well, I don't want to do it or we should do it or just chanting that. Whether you're on the left or right, but actually giving your logical faith-based reasons or any reason like that. That's respectable and that should be taken into account. So that's bold and that's that's amazing. But so that's, that's what I'm trying to go through. Because as I'm saying this to you guys, I'm trying to process this from my mind. I'm trying to say, what was his reason behind this? What can we really interpret from this? And I'm not saying that everything has to lead through interpretation or what we believe it should be. I'm just saying, well, let's talk about this. He talked about uh, Mr. Trump, that uh, Dr. Fauci. Um, then I can also lead to... 
um, current President Biden that can lead to black history, learning about the antibodies and their resistance, right? So there's all these different things, but I thought that was pretty cool. So he's the first guy to say, um, no, I'm not taking the vaccine. And I don't know, and correct me if I'm wrong, I don't know if Orlando, we know, I, I'm stupid, hold on. Orlando's a part of Florida, Florida and Governor Ron DeSantis already ruled out uh, mandatory vaccines. So he's fine from that. It's just the other two parts that have to worry about it because their local officials, because of their governors, mandated the vaccine for their people, protection, etc., etc. So there's different scenarios, but out of all three of the players, this one player has uh, stood up boldly and gave a logical answer of faith reason. So he actually, so theoretically, if he wanted to go into the route, and we're going to say, well, let's say he was with the uh, Warriors. Just for example, taking out Andrew Wiggins, he would actually get a religious exemption. And if it was actually accepted because, depending on how long he's been a Christian for, dating back the last year, when he stood up uh, during the National Anthem and actually cited his reason why, that would tend to be saying, well, he's been a Christian, documented like last year, and whenever he got saved, right? Or went into the religion. So that means that he would actually apply for the religious exemption. So out of all three players, he would actually be uh, maybe accepted for a religious exemption. But I don't think he has to worry about that because it's not mandated for players. And he lives in Florida, Orlando, Florida. But yeah, but that's, that's my breaking news on that. That was COVID, the vaccine. And whether you have... Whether you agree with the mandates or not, whether you agree with the vaccine or not, that that matters. But to a certain point of, I wanted to bring Jonathan Isaac. I wanted to talk about him because I saw it was pretty cool what he did now, gave logical reasoning, and also back then during the NBA bubble. But that's where we'll be at. I also wanted to talk about the reason about COVID and whatnot was because shedding more light onto the anti-vaxxers um, that make up the 10% of the 100% of the 90% that actually got vaccinated. So that is inter- that is very interesting and all. We'll keep talking about this story as more and more names pop up, if there will be. But this is actually the first player. Jonathan Isaac's the first player to give a logical reason to actually stand up and say why he's not taking the vaccine. And I applaud him for that because that could be very difficult for him to do it publicly if there's teammates that don't agree with him, people within his franchise don't agree with him, or anything like that, or even the people around him. So that is that's very bold and that's very brave of him, very courageous. I don't know if that was whether that was easy or hard for him to make that decision. I don't know what he was starting learning, but overall, that's a significant deal. And whether you're of the faith or not, or whether you're of that ideological thinking or not, we have to admit that's brave and that's pretty cool. And 
I think that it should be, I think it should be a lesson to say stand for you believe in, even if no one else agrees with it, because he's actually being very bold, and I just think that's really cool. Now, going from a cool moment, from a faith-based one, to trash. No, I'm kidding. We're talking about Ben Simmons here. And Ben Simmons... Ben, where do I good be, where do I begin with good old Ben? Ben, 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 Ben. Ben Simmons. Everybody knows my level of hatred for this man. My family knows it. You guys know it. Social media knows it. And it's not because he's scared to shoot a basketball. His on-the-core mistakes, sometimes his lack of effort, or the fact that he's just not a good offensive player, his shot's broken, uh, chemistry's off, Joel Beat's been carrying himself and um, in Simmons. But it's the fact that he's arrogant. It's the fact that he blames Philly, the Philadelphia organization. For what? He give they gave him pieces. They they think that it was all their fault. He thinks that. He said, I want nothing to do with you. I don't want to talk to my teammates. The teammates wanted to go down to Los Angeles, wanted to see Ben Simmons. We're gonna hop on a private jet, go talk to him. And he denied it. He thinks he's better than them. Just because he's robbed that organization of hundred plus million dollars? Because he was a former first overall pick. There's been a lot of bust, like Martel Fultz, but even Fultz is better than you, better than you. Just because Ben Simmons earned a fancy paycheck, and he's able, and he's able to rob that, which I can't believe anybody would give it to him. But to be arrogant, to be idiotic about saying, and through his like, through his language, and through the way he just communicates things and acted upon things, he's a bust. That's just bad to say. No, I reject you guys. I don't want to speak to you. He cut everyone off. He said, "I'll miss all my pay. I don't want to play in front of you fans anymore." And it's one of the things we want. I want to talk about. He Ben Simmons. Never wants to play in front of Philly fans ever again. He says he never wants to show his face there again. He never tended to be that way. He denied his players. He denied the fans. He denied everyone besides the man that made him rich. Why? Because he's a coward and he knows he can't get better. So what better way than from going back to Philly before making before cutting off the bridges, before setting fire to the gasoline, you could have resolved this because let me, let me say this. Ben Simmons had Jimmy Butler. He had talent. It's not like they're you're playing on the Orlando Magic. And you're Aaron Gordon, and you're in your mid-20s, and you can't get anything going, and you faded? No, it's the complete opposite. They've tried with, uh, I can't remember the last head coach, 
I can't remember his face though, but I can't remember the last day coach. They've tried. They brought in Doc Rivers. They brought in Daryl Morey. They got in trades. They made sure to get you guys players. They have Joel Bead, Tobias Harris. They were drafting well. They were drafting well. They 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 had Jimmy Butler. They had Jimmy Butler. Then they had the they have Tobias Harris. They have Andre Drummond. They have Seth Curry, Matisse Feibel, Tyrus Maxey. Uh, they had players on there. Al Horford, if I didn't already mention it. So, the, the thing that you're the only special player on there is ridiculous. And for you to cut ties like that, that's unprofessional. That's, that's unprofessional. That's not professional at all. That's the complete opposite of that. I was being a jerk. And... Uh, it's just really pathetic. It's pathetic. Like, it's not... Any player can get better on the court. But Ben... <laughs> I gave Ben Simmons a shot last year. I didn't completely bash on him. It's your attitude towards the towards the franchise that pays you. It's your attitude towards your players, uh, towards teammates. It's your attitude towards the fans. It's your attitude towards everything. That's just not professional. That's childish. They gave you opportunities when they didn't have to, and they're still kissing up to you. Doc Rivers publicly said they could still win a championship with you. Either he's he's delusional or he's kissing up to you. Huh. I've said that to someone on Instagram. I'm not afraid to say it because Doc Rivers is a great head coach and I know he's not delusional. He may not win that many things in his basketball life. But, and I'm talking about his head coaching currently, I know he struck out a few times, but he's not a bad head coach. He's a solid head coach. And he was also a player one time in his life. So, did he mean what he said or was he trying to make amends? Was he trying to say, look, Philly's not trying to turn you away. We can win a championship. Ben Simmons has no respect for anything. Besides money. Think about it. The reason why he signed with Philly. Because he knew Philly had the players. Had the talent. Had the money to keep his sorry butt there. He's not a real player. He's faked his way entire. He faked his entire way. For the draft. For here. Um, there's there's an old saying in life. There's, there's, there's just this old lesson in life. That everyone has to learn. Special for NBA players. Take this from Andrew Wiggins. Take this from anyone. When you get your first few paychecks or your huge first huge paycheck, you start to ease back up. You're like, you know what? I got guaranteed money. I got this huge contract. Why do I got to play on my entire peak? Why do I got to play on my entire fitness? Why do I got to play on my highest level? Andrew Wiggins he scored a huge contract. He stopped playing at his, at his huge level. Ben Simmons done the same. He's like, these fools just paid me. I'm about to tank. You guys paid for a broken shot in a loud mouth. And someone I think he's higher than everyone else. 
that's pretty much what you paid a hundred plus million dollars for. You could debate me if I'm wrong. You could debate me if I'm right. You can just simply say I'm wrong or if I'm right. But here's the thing. I'm not making this as an opinion. This is a statement. That's a fact. And that's just a cold hard truth. Even his even his agent, Rich Paul, agrees with him. And I know this man's all about the money. Trust me. He shortchanged Norlin Noel. And when that case comes out, when they go to court for that, when we talked about on the podcast, right, about the legal issues, all that stuff, he wants him to play for any other organization besides Philly. Okay? Let's do it. Send him down to Sacramento. I would get everyone out there. I would send him down to Sacramento. Make his life miserable. Because he made your guy's life miserable. When it all started in the postseason, that's when it went bad. Doc Rivers never threw him out of the bus. Like, I see all these people on social media. I see all these fans saying Doc Rivers threw Ben Simmons out of the bus. No, he threw his team out to the Wolves. He made sure that he can just do whatever he wants while the team suffers. When he was under the basket, he didn't want to take that layup. Why? He didn't want to take contact. He's afraid. He was afraid of taking contact. He was afraid of making a mistake because he doesn't want to make a mistake. He doesn't want to hurt his image. Why do you think he has 11 assists per game? 5 to 11 assists per game. It's because he doesn't want to hurt his public image. He wants to make sure his stats are nice for paydays. He wants to hypnotize and persuade everyone that he's good when he's really not. That's his thing. I don't have an argument to make against. I I don't have anger towards his playing style. That's correctable. But for the past four months, his talent are actually running out because of his professionalism is very, very poor. He's a poor, he's a great businessman. Because he was able to lie to the organization and say it would get better, but he never did. That organization still wants to kiss up to him, but he don't want to let him go. And you know what? I want to let him go. Personally, I would wait. If he he said he was done, he wasn't reporting to train camp. Perfect. I want to trade for him. Take up with the headache. Cost him suspension, cost him his entire year's salary. Because. These NBA players, they make millions upon millions upon millions of dollars. But what if one year salary goes by? You really think people like Ben Simmons are actually saving their money? Look at Allen Iverson. He wasted all of his money. He's a, fanat- he's a phenomenal basketball player. But where have all of his millions of dollars? The thing is, NBA players get too comfortable with the fact of making millions upon millions upon millions of dollars per year. Now, they worked their life for this moment. I'm not describing that. But what happens if you remove a year's salary? And I'm going to look at Ben Simmons' contract. What happens if you remove a year's salary of Ben Simmons' contract? I'm looking this up right now. I'm just saying... Because the 25-year-old is going to survive, right? He has money. I just, want, I just want to see. His average salary is $35 million. Don't trade him. Don't trade him. Here's why. If you 
if you hate his guts or you want to make him suffer by not something like the Sacramento, I don't know who would want to deal with that hey case. But if you don't want something to Sacramento, here's the thing. Make him lose all his money for this year. Suspend him. Make sure he doesn't get that $35 million. Easy. If you don't wanna if you don't wanna play for us, then why you get money? You want the reason why he's doing all of this is get out of Philly because he thinks he's gonna go into some super team to get an easy uh, easy way out. I would make him wait for the hard part. And then at the end of the season, because Ben Simmons did nothing when he was on the team last season, it was all beat in the postseason, in the regular season, preseason, right? Why not why not give him? Why not give him what he wants? Let him sit out. If he wants to be suspended, let him be suspended. If he wants all his money taken away, all his money taken away. And then next season, do the same exact thing. Off from the play. Let Doc Rivers go out there and say, come on back, Ben Ben Simmons. We can make this thing work. We can make this thing work. And let the cycle begin again if it can. Make him lose more money until he says, you know what, I'm done. I'll come back for you guys or he'll hang it up. And that's what I'm sincerely meaning. I'm not saying this to get maximum revenge on him. I'm not saying this to be hateful towards this man. That is not my intent. But if this man wants not to play in Philly, if this man wants out, then let him suffer by the consequences. Because... And life, everyone's going to learn this. You could be one of the biggest celebrities in the world, or you can be anyone, right? Every action you have has a consequence. And for you to be a jerk to the organization, to their fan base, their loyal fan base who covered your sorry butt throughout the years, that organization who tried to give you everything and you couldn't do one thing, give them the consequence. Make him suffer that money and let him do it again. His contract does not end to 2025. I would try to make him suffer this season by not letting him play. Suspend him because he doesn't want to play. He said he did not want to report to training camp. He did not want to ever see his teammates again. He rejected his teammates when they tried to visit him out of L.A. So, if... You don't want to go to training camp. If you never want to play in Philly again. If you never want to see your teammates again. If you never want to interact with the organization again. You cut them off from life itself. And then how is it their fault? They're just playing by your rules. And now those rules have consequences which positively uh, impacts them and negatively impacts them. You. So, you lose out money. So let's say he loses out money for the first year. He's really going to waste that $35 million. Okay. Don't report to training camp. Don't report to preseason game. Don't report to regular season game. If they make it to the postseason, don't report there either. Don't report to media day. Don't report to practices. Perfect. I like that. Because now if he gets suspended, he gets all these fines. They're racking up. That cost him all of his salary. And this was talked about like two weeks ago or something like that. Perfect. Missed out on $35 million. Why do you have to trade him? Unless the NBA steps on in, why trade him? If he doesn't want to play for you, make him miss another 35 and this is on average. So on average, in two years, let him miss out on $70 million. Let's see how broke he is. Because he's dependent on money. 
That's why he plays for Philly. He's making bad financial choices here. See, his motive was not to win in the playoffs. He had good players around. Jimmy Butler left Philly because there was a sense of effortless. That there was no effort in there. That they were not trying to win. That there was no real competition. Why do you think he went to Miami? And Bede works his butt off. Maybe some of those guys slack. But Ben Simmons is like Andrew Wiggins. And Jimmy Barr, some of you want, some of you will about him, hates players like those that don't dedicate their time to the game. Dedicate their time to the team. That wants to get better, grow better, positively impact themselves and the team. Elevation is the best. But wait a minute. But wait a minute. Why did he leave? He left because he knew Simmons was a nobody. And they wanted Simmons over Butler. That's why he left. Not even kidding. Not even kidding. So, Butler saw no value in Simmons. Even after a season. Even after making it to the playoffs. Even making it deep into the playoffs. He found no value in him because he was slouching off. He was leeching off other players. They all tried to make it work, but it didn't. Simmons plays for money. He has no passion for this fellow organization. You can't say to me, you're playing in Sacramento. If you're playing in Orlando or Sacramento, just using those two as an example, I will fully understand you. Or Minnesota, I'll fully understand understand you. But you're playing with a team that has a good fan base. Playing with a team that has players, the money, and the willingness to make this team better. They did it on the front end. They're doing it on the back end. They're doing it universally around. They're not trying to cut corners like Robert Sarver did for many years when the Phoenix Suns were bad and he was trying to profit off every single dollar. No. That's not what this owner wants. That's not what the GM wants. That's not what the president and vice president wants. That's not what the head coach wants. He's in it for the money. And when he can't get his way, when he can't get his way one ounce, and it's time... Do you ever notice something? This is actually really interesting. Why not in 2019 and not throw a hissy fit? Why not in 2018 when he got first drafted? Because there was no accountability. You didn't see head coaches calling him out. Doc Rivers called him out. John B called him out. They were asking for accountability. Better play time. Just better playing. Where's their shot? When the fan base tries to hold him accountable, when everyone's questioning his shot, questioning his abilities, he wants out of Philly. There's no more spa- safe space for him. There's more, no more comfort. There's no more of that leverage because he's getting exposed. When his feelings got hurt, that's when he turned on the organization that gave him everything. That's what it is. That's not rocket science. He's a jerk. He's a coward. And he's emotional. He's not emotional to win games. He's emotional for money. He's emotional for his life. That's it. That's all it is. That's why I make fun of Ben Simmons. 
not because of his on the play on the court skills. He's a good defensive player, but it's because of his attitude, the way he treats everyone that made him successful. The reason why he should have been broke and not paid a single dollar, but Philly gave him the chance at the first overall pick. Why? Just why? I'm just I'm just saying. There's truth behind what I'm saying in this powerful, in this huge rant that I just had. I'm just saying. It's a shame where we're at. It really is. But should we be surprised that arrogant men want to have all the money but do nothing for it? Haven't we heard that story before where they're just slacking? There's a reason why Philly can't win when Joel Embiid's hurt. It's not because the team doesn't care. It's because when your main point guard's selfish enough not to care, that's like, bro, you're leaving the team. I get you're not this whole thing that's holding us up, but still, what happened to team effort? Teamwork? Accountability? Responsibility? Leadership? You say each summer you're going to get better. You say each summer you're going to get better at your shot, how you do things, how you look at things. You said the same excuse for seven years. Now when we try to hold you accountable, you turn your back on us. You hate us. You cower behind your money in your large houses, your fancy cars. Um, last time I checked, if Philly didn't give you that large contract, would you be buying all of these nice things? Would you be going to these fancy parties? Um, the answer is no. They gave you that money. So when they try to hold you accountable, whoops, you got a bell on them. You got a jet on them. Why? Because I actually want to see productivity out of you. But I guess I, for, I forgot what Ben Simmons is. He's that one player where he thinks he's untouchable. But you know what you remind me of? You remind me of... A poor, poor, poor Markel Fultz. You remind me of that whiny sixth grader that tries to play basketball, but they can. When they get their feelings hurt, they run off to mommy. But instead of doing that, you run behind money. You run behind your possessions. Because that's the only thing left in your life that will not question you. And that, to me, is sad. And this is all objectable. This is all debatable. This is all questionable. This is all uh, controversy in some people's eyes. But look, if anything I said that is disagreeable or agreeable on, then let's have a, let's have a discussion about it because I want to know your guys' feeling on, feelings on this. I don't want to keep talking into my recorder on a one-way debate. I've had people that agreed with me on social media and people that didn't. Majority of them agreed because majority of them are very logical, right? But if you guys want to have a conversation, remember to hit me up on social media. Hit Quartz Heat up on social media or just text the Quartz Heat uh, text line at 602-791-2108. That is 602-791-2108. For anything you guys want to talk about or topics that we should talk about next or about the Ben Simmons topic. But I saw something interesting to talk about this. I saw I saw it was interesting because there's a reason why Rich Paul wanted to play for him more 
for for any other franchise besides Philly and why he never wants to return back to Philly. Just because the accountability market for Philly is higher than Sacramento, right? But that was all of our breaking news. We are about to head into our series. We started this brand new series a few days ago, about a week ago, and it was the toughest division in the NBA. We'll continue that right here, right now. So, without further ado, let's get into Southeast Division. And the players within that uh, South uh, East Division would be Atlanta Hawks, Miami Heat, Washington Wizards, Charlotte Hornets, and the Orlando Magic. My oh my, do we have many, many teams that are there that are bad and some that are good. But let's start off with the Orlando Magic. We've we actually talked about Orlando Magic a little bit on about more about John, uh, John, uh, Jonathan Isaacs. But now let's talk about the Orlando Magic. Because we all knew that they were giving up all of these players like um, Aaron Gordon, some players to Boston, Evan Fournay was one that went to Boston, and different things like that. But they kept a few players, and they added a few players. So without further ado, let's jump right into this. Their point guard, so here, let me go through it. They have Jalen Suggs, Cole Anthony, Markel Fult, Jonathan Isaac, RJ Hampton, Mohamed Bamba, um, the Wagner brothers, Wendell Carter Jr., Terrence Ross, Robin Lopez, and Michael Carter Jr., I'm sorry, Michael Carter Williams, as all of the talented players on this roster. Cole Anthony was actually really good for that team last year. He averaged 12, uh, 13 points, 12 to 13 points per game, four rebounds and four assists per game, and 47 games in his opening season, in his debut season. He had a great showing in those 27 minutes per game that he was playing. And to me, when Martel Fultz is healthy, he's also going to be electrifying because Martel Fultz is not bad. He's not what everyone expects him to be for the first overall pick. He certainly is a bust, but when healthy, he could pub 12 to 13 points per game. I say it's going to be huge, huge, I tell you, with Anthony because he's also a high passer. He averaged a career high in 5.4 assists per game last season and in the 2019 NBA season. That, to me, is huge. And eight games were played last season due to injury. But 2019 was 72 games. And he put on his best showing. But in 27, uh, 27 minutes per game, putting up 13 points per game, that's not bad. Putting up 46.5% per game, that's not bad either. Free round bounce and five assists. You have something there. I believe Cole Anthony is going to be your point guard. You have Martel Folds as your shooting guard. And then Jalen Suggs is also going to be Christian Gar. Who remembers in this year's NBA draft, the fifth overall selection, what could have been the Raptors' fourth overall selection before going with Scott Brooks, they chose Jalen Suggs. Um, yeah, Jalen Suggs because the Raptors took Scott Barnes, Brooks, and Brooks was a heck of a ball player. 
but everyone thought he was going to go with the Warriors at 7th. But, as it turned out, Suggs should have went to Toronto, but now he's with Orlando. And with Orlando, this is going to be his opening season. This is going to be his rookie year. People are expecting some things for him from both the Jalen's, but also from Jalen Suggs. They also think he's going to be a real good contender for rookie of the year. And I believe this point um this point guard shooting guard is gonna be something nice. I believe he can go twenty twenty five minutes per game and easily put up twelve to fifteen points per game, tacked on with three or four rebounds and assists per game. I believe Jalen Suggs gonna have a huge impact on his court. We've talked about his inefficiencies, inconsistencies, but also his pros and cons of everything, right? Knows what those two first categories lie under. Uh, Before the draft and after the draft. To me, having firepower coming out of college is going to be great. Having firepower as a whole is going to be great. I'm excited for this. I believe Jalen Suggs is going to add some much-needed firepower. Plus, the first three... Plus, um... Jalen Suggs, Cool Anthony, Mark Fools. They're not bad defensive players. And defense is something that Orlando needs. The same with offense. If they can have a mixture of offense and defense, uh, based on these three players and as a team as a whole, that's going to be something scary. And that's something you got to look out for. But then we get down to Jonathan Isaac. Jonathan Isaac um, has been with the team since 2017. But last year, he put up great numbers. Career high points rebounds, and assists. Oh, and minutes. But in 29 minutes, or 28.8 minutes, he averaged 12 points, 47% from the field, 6.8 rebounds, and 1.4 assists. Those were all career-high numbers I just listed off. And he did that in 34 games for Orlando. And Orlando is having a lot of COVID issues, a lot of injury issues, a lot of different issues like that. That are leading the players and on their franchise and uh, different things like that, but that was a huge season for Jonathan Isaac. He proved to be a good defensive body, but also being productive on fast breaks on the offensive side, making sure he could get in there, hit some really good shots, and be consistent in the field. Make sure that he's just not pump shots put up, but he's making sure he's knocking down forty-seven percent of his shots per game. And to me, that consistency is just so good because he got that up by 4% from the 2018 season to then. And to think about it, he got his 2017 season up much higher because his 2018, 2017 season had him at 38%. That's a 9% difference from his rookie season and now. And 8% can mean so much, especially in the field goal percentage. So I'm happy because Jonathan Isaac is a tall 6'11", small forward. And this small forward, to me, can make a huge difference. That with Muhammad Bamba... Don't take Muhammad Bamba wisely. He's a great, great center. He's seven feet tall. He's 23 years old. He's been on the team since 2018. And he actually had career-high numbers in 
field goal percentage, points, and rebounds, having 8 points per game, 47% from the field, and close to 6 rebounds per game off of 16 minutes per game. That's not bad. Expect for him to have minutes increased, have more um, statistics that go up. Expect his rebounding to go up, especially defensively. Going, trying to go around a seven-foot guy is tough, especially when he's adapted to the NBA and he's ready for any challenge. So I don't think his mentality is going to be changing that much or it's going to be decreasing. I think it's going to be more tougher and increasing. So I'm excited about that. I'm also excited from the standpoint that, look, having a seven-foot center right in the middle of the paint Right in that field percent, field area, that's going to be incredible. Have especially trying to stop Giannis, Embiid, AD, DeAndre Ayton, Booker, uh, Crowder, uh, LeBron, all these different guys, Jokic, Gordon. Like right, I could keep going on with the list, but you guys get the uh, uh gist of it. So I'm excited about that. And you go down to RJ Hampton, who's a point guard. He was he was drafted in the 2020 draft with the 24th overall pick. It was a bit of a, a, a adjustment. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. RJ Hampton's not even with the... You know, this is why sometimes Google's unreliable. And when Google's unreliable, this is what happens to everybody. Because now, it looks like he, is he, where the heck is he? Is he, oh, he's with, well, my apologies, people. This is why it, it could just get very, very weird. It, yeah, so, wait, was, was Arjun Hampton originally drafted? Okay, I'm sorry, I was reading, I was reading the statistics sheet and I just saw, RJ Hampton, I'm sorry. Okay, I'm sorry. He's with, or he was originally with Denver, but he got traded to um, the Magic for Aaron Gordon, different things like that in this massive trade, right? That That's okay. That's how I remember it. So, going with that, but in the first 25 games with Denver of the 2020 season, he only averaged two points. But then having a twenty-five, having a sixteen-minute difference of twenty-five minutes for Orlando in twenty-six games in the second half of twenty twenty season, we saw him have eleven points, forty-three percent, forty-four percent from the field, five rebounds, and three assists per game. So there's a huge difference, and there when there's different utilizations being going on in these different organizations, that helps. I cannot stress that enough. How you utilize a player and how you uh, how a player utilizes his time is just so key. It can change his efficiency, his productivity, and it can really be a wild factor on the court and really can make the little things be explosively good. So for me to see that, that's huge. So there's a difference. Now, the ones I do see it's going to be lacking is obviously going to be the bench. The Wagner brothers, not that great. Terrence Ross is good to a certain extent. Sam Wendell Carter Jr. has never lived up to the hype that he was drafted at. Robin Lopez, not going to be a bad backup center. Uh, RJ Hampton's not going to be a bad backup center. Her kid gets started like minutes. Either way, he's not going to be bad. James Ennis, eh, yeah, he's a solid backup. 
Michael Carter-Williams back up. So it's not bad. It's not the greatest bench in the world. It's not the worst bench in the world. It's like that mediocre to good bench. Good is strong work for the Orlando bench, but mediocre to fine is good. You'll be able to get through this bench, but they have a strong core, a strong group of guys to go in there for the starting five. I would even put R.J. Pampton and Cole Anthony switching in and out of the rotational rosters of the starting roster of the starting five. But Jalen Suggs is going to be an important shooting guard. Same with Martel Fulch, Cole Anthony, Jonathan Isaac, Hampton, Bamba. Here's how I would do the starting five. Fulch, Anthony, Suggs, Isaac, Bamba. That's just a good... Good, good matchup right there. That could build chemistry. I could build productivity. Imagine all of these different big heights. Imagine all of the, like, the different like, weight and strengths. Like, everything could be one big meshing pot. Like, one of those huge things where you dump all these players in. You, like, like stir them all together. You get this huge monster. This huge entity that could just be so explosive. So my thing about the Orlando Magic as I'm reviewing them is not to take them lightly. Not to take them lightly this season. I think getting all these new players, reshaping everything, and just refining could actually be something really, really good in the making. And I think they can improve from being 21 and 51. I wouldn't be surprised if they got about 30 wins this season. I wouldn't be surprised if they jumped at the 40. But that's a huge leap. But 30 would be a good milestone. But the goal would be to get the 20 wins. The milestone would be getting the 30 wins. That's just me personally. Then when we move down the line, we have the Charlotte Hornets. And Charlotte's been building, my goodness. We've talked about them before. We have talked about the Charlotte Hornets before. LML Ball. And pretty much everyone on that team. But let me just review what we have. Because they added uh, James Booknight. But they have LML Ball, Gordon Hayward, Kelly Oubre Jr., Miles Bridges, Teddy Rozier, James Booknight, PJ Washington, Kai Jones, uh, Mason Pomeroy, um, Cody Martin, and Nick Richards, and TJ4 as all the good players. Oh, and I guess Ver- uh, Veronon, Carey Jr. But you guys get where I'm going. But look, LaMelo Ball had a great, great showing. He had a great, great showing. His rookie season... Was huge with five, with fifteen points, six rebounds, and six assists. You can't ask anything more from a rookie point guard than that. To go all out, showcase your skills like a point guard, shooting guard. That's a combination. He could do it all. His handles were smooth. His passes seemed perfection. His shooting seemed good. Like he was a highlight reel. He was doing things. He even bowed back from a wrist surgery for a fractured wrist, or it was either like a broken wrist or a fractured wrist. But he came back after being down two months. My goodness, that is something you do not want to mess with. That is going to be something lethal when he comes back because he won Rookie of the Year. He showcased it why. He's very, very talented. And that's just his first season. I can see him scoring 20 points per game and having seven assists per game with five or six rebounds. And I believe his 
uh, fill percentage would be better coming off of 44% to maybe like a 45-46%. Every percent matters and it's just showing how good he's getting and his practicing and his training and correlating that to his um just to his offensive game, just to his on-court presence and productivity. So I think those changes, even if the 1-2% to is just minor, can make such a huge difference on a team, on a franchise like the Charlotte Hornets. And then when we go down to Gordon Hayward, Gordon Hayward's not bad when not injured. When he's not injured, he scores 20 points per game, 6 rebounds, and 4 assists. When injured, not really good. He missed a lot of games that last season due to injuries. With hamstring injuries, knee injuries, finger injuries, my goodness, he suffers every single injury. But I believe he's Michael Jordan's going to get those $30 million out of him per year this season because I believe he is going to score a, a 19 to 20 points to just stay consistent with between the range of 17 to 20 points per game. He's going to shoot around 50% from the field. I can see like his 2019 stats, 50% right in the nose. I think he's going to average five, five rebounds of four assists per game. And I just said it's going to be the fact. I think he's going to be very explosive when healthy. He's going to be very dynamic on the court. He's going to be very elusive when possible because he has that shooter touch. He has that way to get to the basket that not too many players on that Charlotte Hornets team is equipped to be able to, is able to take advantage of. And he's one of those guys because the 31-year-old has a lot left into the tank when healthy. And I know he's going to earn that $120 million contract for those four years or three years now that's left. Then we go down to Kelly Oubre Jr. He's not bad. Kelly Oubre is not bad. He averaged 15 points, six rebounds, and one assist per game. He aver- and he was averaging off of 44% from the field per game. That's not bad in 30 minutes. I like to see a little more consistency out of him. He was really bad when he was with the Warriors. He he was he was inconsistent majority of the time. This is gonna be his first season with the Hornets, so I like to see this thing count. I think being in a different atmosphere than all ball hog shooters just have the ball go to him and that's it. All his free point shots were not healthy, but going 0 for seven from each game was just very killer like. And it was not very good for the statue or for his personal image on the basketball court. So that did not help. But I think getting a fresh start as not Washington, as not Phoenix, as not Golden State will be something huge for him. I believe he's going to average at least, at least 18 points per game or at worst 16 points per game. Seven. I'm going to say he's going to have career high numbers of rebounds, which will be seven. And maybe a career high is insist, which will probably be two. And staying around that pace of 44% from the field, not going to get too crazy with it. But that's how I'm viewing it. That's how I'm viewing it. Then moving on, we have Miles Bridges. Miles Bridges is not bad. He was the former 12 overall payback 2018 draft. He averaged 13 points, 12.7 points per game, 50% from the field. Six six rebounds and two assists per game. He's topping it. He's topping. He's staying around those twelve to thirteen points per game. 
That's perfect for defense reasons. He's a perfect player for defensive techniques, for offensive maneuvers. He's just really, he's not a bad player. And to score 12 to 13 points consistently and do it off of 50% shooting from the field, that's nice. I like to see it. His rebounds are also up from the 2019 season. Same with assists. Same uh, roughly with points. Uh, 8% by uh, field goal percentage. Just going by those basic statistics, I'm really liking what we're seeing. I'm really liking what they have to offer. Why? Because I just believe Miles Bridge is going to be one of those necessary pieces to be for his position, for small forward, power forward position. Because getting as a forward 12 points per game on a shooter-loaded team, on an offensive-loaded team, it's just so critical and so important because it means you're contributing. That means you're making an impact. That means when the first unit comes out or you're just one of those rotational pieces into the second unit, however you play it out, you're still being impacted. You're still one of the most dominant players on there uh, statistically and just on the court, going beyond the stats, as Monty Williams would say. And that would also lead down to Terry year. He's not a bad 27-year-old. He made some impactful moments last season, especially the game winner against the Golden State Warriors. I will never forget that. As he averaged 20 points per game, they gave him a huge payday, and it's been paying off for him. Just keep on increasing. Ever since Cullen is Charlotte in 2019, he's gotten 18 points and 20 points, getting career highs in points, field goal percentage, rebounds, and assists, all in the 2020 campaign. And my goodness, was he a fantastic shooter, a fantastic spot shooter, knockdown shooter. He had good defense, good rhythm to himself. My goodness, he can be elusive at times. He knows how to have control, patience. I'm loving what I'm seeing. I just am. And then going down to James Booknight, I'm ready to see what he can do. I'm ready to see what the shooting guard can do. I think he's going to start on the bench. I would like to see him get like between 12 to 16 minutes per game, maybe a little more. Having at least 8 to 10 points per game would be solid. A few assists, a few rebounds, I think it would be good. That wouldn't be a bad show for his rookie season. Then we head down to P.J. Washington. And then we see a 23-year-old drafted from 20 for, uh, 2019. He averaged uh, 12 to 13 points per game last season off a of 44% rotten nose uh, percentage. Uh, and field goal percentage. Then it also went up on rebounds and assists. I think the stats that he had in 2020 will be superb, will be very complimentary for that team heading into his 2021 season for that franchise because he like all these players don't need to be scoring above 15 points per game. You just need like three players to do that, and then boom, you should be good. That's how I'm looking at it. So when I see all these offensive players and defensive players contributing to the game nicely for that team, it's like they're building good culture. And that's James Borrego is building a nice system. The coaching staff, the training staff, they're all doing a nice job. And they're just making sure these players are in the lab, training, working on things they need to just to keep on improving. 
And I believe that they can actually be better than their last season record, which was 33 and 39. I would say to be so bold to say they're going to win 38 games or they're going to win 48 games. Just watch it happen, especially within the Southeast Division. That's going to be something very, very special to keep an eye on. Now, we're going to go to the Washington Wizards. I'm not even kidding. Um, we're getting some at some point. Here are the Washington Wizards. They begin their preseason on October 5th. But they have Brad Bill, Rachi Hachimori, uh, Kyle Kuzma, Spencer Dinwiddie, uh, Denny, Daniel Gafford, Corey, uh, Montrezl Harrell, KCP, Thomas Bryant, and Davis Bertans. That's all they have good. Wow. So, that's a decrease from the players that they had last year to now. The obvious good players are Royal Hachimori, Bradley Beal, and Thomas Bryan. Spencer Denway is not bad, but he's not like the greatest thing in the world. Like, I mean, let me rephrase that. He's not. He's not going to be like the next Brad Beal, but for that team, he's going to be good. He's going to be one of the best players on that team. Here's why. He's going to be Brad Beal level, but. Before he got injured last season, 2019, he was putting up 20 points, three rebounds, and six assists per game, close to seven assists per game. If he's able to duplicate those stats from 2019 to 2021, that would be huge. I would be very, very impressed. We're even getting like a solid 15 points per game. Him and Brad Bill can be having a field day. Rory Hachimori is coming off an injury, so I would actually like to see him stay consistent with around 14 points per game, uh, 48% from the field, five rebounds, and almost two assists per game. If he's able to stay around those numbers and still go beyond the stats and just be able to continue learning and adapting, I think that will be huge, especially with the new head coach, especially with the new players, new system, just new techniques, right? I think it's going to be something. Kyle Kuzma, don't expect much out of him. I think he'll get more time now. I think I think he'll get more points, more opportunities to score. 13 points per game is not bad, but... Going beyond the stats, I like to see more consistency. If he's able to get more consistency, then I believe it's going to be very, very good for the Washington Wizards. And then we head down to Denny, who is the 2020 first, uh, first round ninth overall pick in that 2020 draft. He averaged six points per game, five rebounds, and one assist per game. For the Washington Wizards in the in his opening season and his rookie season, not too bad. Twenty three points per game. I like to see a little more action from him, a little more consistency, a little more push, a little more knockdown strike. I want to be more like an attacker, more of a striker. I see he's gonna have a better feel for the game in his second season. I see he's gonna get laid to land. I see it's all gonna. I see it's also gonna help. Having a little more pieces, having a little more push, right? I think that's going to make a huge difference. And yeah, overall, you know, oh wait, real quick. Then you're going to have former defense part of the year, Montrezl Harrell. He's going to be solid defensively. 
And then we get down to Thomas Bryant, who's also going to be solid defensively, who averaged 14 points per game. Um, okay, he's coming off of injury too. But the former second-round second, uh, second pick uh, in the 2017 NBA draft is going to be good. He's going to be a good start. So they got a good mix of offensive players and defensive players. So I like that. But as things go, I would see Washington again around 30 to 35 wins this season. I, I wouldn't like to see him go down to 30 because that would be a four-game decrease. And, but 35 will only be a one-game increase. But... Out of 82 games, they'll still have a they'll have a losing record. They would be 35 and 47. Not the most ideal thing in the world. But then again, where will you guys go within seeding? Because if you at least get into the 10th seed of your respective conference, you get a chance to be in the plus through the playing tournament. So that's also something to take an eye out for, to keep an eye on, right? Now, here's one of the most exciting teams of this entire division. That would be the Miami Heat. And, and, and the Miami Heat's going to be something very, very interesting. Like, that's going to be the most electrifying divisional team this like NBA is going to see. Because they have Jimmy Butler, newly added Kyle, uh, Kyle Lowry, Tyra Hero, P.J. Tucker, Bam Adebayo, Duncan Robinson, uh, Marky Morris, you know some. Uh, Marcus Garrett, and different things like that. But I want to, I can't stress to you guys enough. They got Jimmy Butler, Kyle Lowry, Tyre Hero, Bam Adebayo, Duncan Robinson. My goodness. Like, we know what, the, Jimmy Butler is a killer instinct. We know what he can do. He loved to the 2020 NBA Finals, you know, losing to LeBron to Los Angeles Lakers. But then we know what Tyre Hero can do. He's a nice knockdown three-point shooter. P.J. Tucker, he's not going to be effective that much on offensively. I don't like him as much, but who? Like, why would that even matter? He is a very good defensive player. He will bring that knowledge and veteran leadership to that team, which is huge. Eric Spolstra, head coach to Miami Heat, will be able to utilize that perfectly. Bam Bow, he's getting better. The 24-year-old's getting better. He averaged 18 points on the season, 57% from the field, 9 rebounds and 5 assists per game. Only one less rebound per game than last season 2019 campaign. But overall, he's shooting really well. He's any player that's shooting above 57% from the game, playing 33 and a half minutes per game, and taking necessary shots, is doing a really, really good job. And he's going to be in his fifth season with Miami's franchise. And then, of course, we get down to Duncan Robinson. Duncan Robinson is 27 years old, 6'7", averaged 13 points per game, 3.5 rebounds, and close enough to assist. He's not going to be bad either. They're, these guys are all going to be productive. I believe that the Miami here are going to top this entire, entire Southeast Division. They're just so electrifying. And to get to again get to a solid point guard that isn't being ran up the court by Hero or Butler, that's gonna be huge. Mainly Hero. So Kyle Lord is gonna bring that veteranness. It's gonna bring that veteran mentality, that win now mentality. That was the best thing they got this entire offseason. Experts, everyone who's grading and spectating from a fan to everyone, reporters, 
um, love this move. One of the best moves this entire offseason, if not the best move, because they're ranked, they're even ranking on this. It's just such an impactful player. He won a championship with Kawhi Leonard. He's been there, done that. He's taste defeated and he tastes victory. And he's just going to be able to bring that skill to Miami with firepower like Hero Butler, Tucker Adebayo, Robinson, and everyone else. They don't have the greatest bench in the world, but it is backed by veteran presence, Hassam. But he's really Hassam. I'm sorry if I pronounced her name wrong. Udonis. I believe I pronounced that right, but I apologize again. Number 40 on the Miami Heat. He's not going to be playing as much. He's still going to be on the contract. He's just going to be a player coach, a motivator, a coach that's going to be able to give player insight right. But he's still going to be a fa- uh, He's going to be in full effect. So his talents are still going to be useful. Then Marquise Morris, he's not bad, but he's bringing that physical game aspect to the bench. He's bringing that physicality and mental toughness. He's ready for a good showdown. That's going to be great for the bench. Then we also get down to P.J. Tucker. He's going to be great for the bench. Um, Marcus Gil- Garrett's not, not going to be bad. Dwayne Dedman, he's going to be a good center on the bench. Uh, Kobe, uh, uh, Martin, former Charlotte. Oh, I'm sorry. Shaw Hornet is going to be a good on the bench. Gabe Vincent, DJ Stewart, not going to be bad on the bench. Um, It's not the greatest bench in the world, but it is marked by Morris, Udonis, Tucker, and Martin. But I'm telling you, that divisional team's going to explode because I, I don't say they're going to only win 40 games. They're going to win 50 to 55 games. If everyone's healthy and they actually pan out to how I believe they're gonna pan out and play, they might project this wins for them. It's gonna be between fifty and fifty-five. That'd be a ten to fifteen game increase on the last season to this season. That's why I see. That's what I feel, and yeah, that's just how I see. And finally. The last team of the Southeast Division is no other but the Atlanta Hawks. The bad guy, Trey Young. My, oh my, I'm excited. Do you want to talk about a team that has firepower? Well, they're going to be in competition with Miami Heat. They actually might have more talented players than Miami. I'm a huge Trey Young fan. I'm a huge Damon Millen fan. I'm a huge fan of all of these players. Trey Young, Kevin Herter, John Collins, Bogdan Donovich, Cam Reddish, Clint Capella, DeAndre Hunter, uh, Gallinari, Lou Williams, Jalen Johnson, Oyeka, um, I can't probably pronounce your name, I'm sorry, and everyone else. My goodness, just the first uh, nine guys were very dominant, very powerful, and that's going to bleed into the bench. That's a strong Heavy, bold, starting five. Trey Young's going to be impactful. Like, I don't need to explain what Trey Young is. He daggered the Knicks in the first round. He got his team to the conference finals, almost to a uh, NBA finals, but injuries uh, ridden his conference final champ, champion. Uh, I'm sorry, his conference finals uh, chances. And Milwaukee was just a better team that time around. But overall, Kevin Herter, 
John Collins, Bogdan Donovich, Cam Rush, Clint Capella, Deontay Hunter, Gallinari, Williams. My goodness. Those eight players, minus Young, because we already know how elite he is, is going to be bananas too. Those are contributing forces. They got a heavy mixture of offensive and defensive presence, awareness, and just physicality and mentality going rampant. And David Mellon has just been such a huge force of that through his techniques, through the way he coaches players, through the way he does anything and makes sure that he can get it done the right way, the proper way, and able to just do anything, anything that his team sets their mind on. It's quite impressive where former head coach of the Hawks left. I forgot his name. He's 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 not relevant. He's like on some training staff or whatever he is now. Um, now Nate Miller is taking over from being an assistant head coach, then taking him to a winning record, but going beyond that deep into the postseason, and now he's going to be the full time head coach of this Atlanta organization. So now I'm hoping. And I'm praying that they can get huge numbers. I believe they're gonna. I believe they are gonna get huge numbers. I don't think that's gonna be a, like a shy fact. I think it's gonna be a bold, truthful fact, because we know that Cam Reddish, um, Gallinari, Williams, and Johnson will all be highlighting that bench. Right, that's just that's gonna not be that's gonna be self-explanatory. And then we got Hunter, like we got a lot of pieces here. That's gonna be the biggest problem for uh the Heat. But I'm gonna talk about stands afterwards. But I think that Atlanta could actually win fifty-five to sixty-five games if everyone's healthy. Now Atlanta, Alex, I think it will go Atlanta, Miami, Orlando, Charlotte. Washington. I think that would be the if we're going off a division, which we are for the Southeast. Yeah, that's I think that's how we're gonna see it. Atlanta's gonna end with fifty five wins. We're gonna see Miami with the runner with fifty wins. Then we're gonna see Washington with um. I'm sorry. We're gonna see Orlando with with thirty three wins. Gonna give them those nice ranch. Gonna give us twelve extra win games. I'm gonna give Charlotte. I know it's, it's tough for Orlando and Charlotte. I'm actually gonna swap that out. I'm actually gonna put Charlotte number three. Charlotte's gonna be at number three with forty to forty-two wins, and that comes down to Orlando with thirty-three wins. Then we're gonna see Washington. I'm gonna say they're gonna. I'm gonna say they're just gonna stay right between thirty to thirty-four wins. But at the at the maximum winning is thirty five. That's not me being hypercritical, but just so far, that's what I'm seeing, and that's why I'm just knowing about their team and just breaking it down. But the top two teams of that division that's going to impact the entire Eastern Conference, like it did last season, is the Atlanta Hawks and Miami Heat. That's just a fact. Now. Do you guys agree with my predictions, my projections for each team? How do you guys like the breakdown? Anything else you guys want to add to the breakdown? It's all right here. Remember to text Courts at Heat text line at 602-791-2108. Again, that is 602-791-2108. Or text us our Courts at Heat email address. 
in the description below. Well, that was it. And this has been a very, very long podcast, but a very good podcast. I hope that this was not too long for you guys. If you guys have made it to an end, thank you guys for watching. And remember, you guys can find us on social media. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Google Podcasts, um, Amazon Music. Uh, hopefully tune in within the next few days. Hopefully by Wednesday, Thursday, if not Tuesday. Um, and then of course we got Audible. We got all these different places. I'm going to try to get this uploaded to IGTV, YouTube, all these different places. I'm excited. I'm going to keep you guys posted. Remember, we post free the yeah three to four times a day on across all social media platforms which be instagram facebook twitter tumblr and whatever else we are on this has been an exciting podcast a mini ramp a mini rant looking at faith looking at bold standings giving props to jonathan isaac for his bold stance huge stance i really love it that's courageousness to the next level and of course we looked at the southeast division we have two more divisions to go until we make our final day of this series which should could be completed on thursday if not friday because that allows us to look at both conferences and assess who the best team is out of all of them at that at that entire division for the Western and Eastern uh, Conference. So I'm excited about that. See you guys again for uh, listening. And until then, we're gonna hit it. We're gonna head out. And yeah. So without further ado, we can't wait. Basketball's coming October fourth. That's eight days away. My goodness. Then we have October 20th beginning. Training camp starts off tomorrow for some teams. And, of course, Tuesday, Wednesday. Wednesday for the Wizards. Tuesday for the Suns. It's going to be epic. And now, without further ado, let's head out with the outro music. I'll see you guys here Tuesday morning, 8 a.m. Let the beat drop. (laughs) 